0: welcome to episode number 24 of just go grind a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love start a business and make a bigger impact in your life i'm justin gordon your host and mba student in the class of 2020 at the usc marshall school of business i am hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when i launched just go fitness and now with just go grind in this episode we have cassandra cummings who is the founder and ceo of august 9 which is a digital agency that helps impactful brands tell their story. She's also the former director of content at Product School, and in this episode, we talk all things product management, content creation, and creating a sense of community around your brand. As always, the show notes are at JustGoGrind.com slash podcast, and in iTunes, if you search Just Go Grind, you can leave a rating and review, subscribe to the show, that would mean a lot to me. You can also support the show on Patreon.com slash JustGoGrind. Without further ado, here is Cassandra. Cassandra, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Justin. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we connected through LinkedIn because I knew you worked at product school. It was a company I was interested in because you know, getting my MBA, product management was one of the areas I was looking at. And then also once I got to my MBA, so at USC here, a lot of my classmates are interested in product management. And I know you worked there for a couple of years. I'm curious how you first got your start with product school.
1: Um, well, I actually was living in Madrid at the time, and um, after I graduated, I I had taken a couple years to, uh, to live and work in Madrid, uh, learn about a new culture. I was teaching English, and I also had a couple of side projects, and after about two years of that, I was ready to go back into marketing. So I started looking on uh, different websites. I found product school on AngelList. I applied and uh, interviewed and got the job while I was living in Madrid.
0: Jeez. so the remote <laughs> position, were you looking for those type of positions while you're in Madrid? Because it's just it could be anywhere, I guess. Yeah, actually money.
1: actually I was looking for a remote position, but their um their marketing team is based in Madrid. So oh. I was able to work directly with their team there.
0: Wow. I did not realize that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is awesome. And so you, you chose product school. That's the one you ended up working for. But what other ones you, were you working looking for looking at? You said AngelList. Any other particular ones that stood out?
1: Um, I was looking at a lot of remote companies, but none of them in particular. Product School was the first one that stood out.
0: Okay. And for Product School, for people who don't know what that is, can you explain a little bit like who Product School is, what they do?
1: Of course. I mean, Product School teaches product management. Um, They also teach coding, data, uh, blockchain, and they just launched a uh, digital marketing course as well. Um, And all their courses are eight weeks. They have been building a huge community of people that are interested in learning about product management. I believe they have about 14 campuses worldwide, but they launched another program to open up events in um, almost 100 locations. So they're definitely um, going global with uh, with their goal of becoming the world's first tech school.
0: First tech school. What exactly do you mean by that? Like literally yeah. just tech?
1: So exactly. Exactly. Uh, tech school that focuses on the world of product management and where we are today in technology and provides the training and um, certification that you need to build products in today's world.
0: Wow, an ambitious endeavor, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your day-to-day like at Park School? And I'm wondering if it changed when you got there to later on as they grew.
1: <laughs> it definitely changed um, quite a bit. Um, the first the first few months I was there, it was just me and, um, and two other guys. So uh, Danny is uh, works in data and then uh, Fernando, which is the VP, I believe he's the company manager now as well. Um, and it was just us three. And I had started there uh, writing the blog, doing newsletters, um, social media. So the day-to-day was really just building out uh, what types of content we wanted to go where. Our main focus on a day-to-day was uh, developing a strategy, uh, reviewing sequences, A-B testing newsletters and headlines and subjects, um, getting feedback from our users or people in the community. And um, we also had daily stand-ups. Every afternoon, Madrid would get on the call with uh, California and we'd talk about what we were doing that day and just to connect and check in and make sure that uh, we're all on the same page and things are are moving in the right direction. And then, I mean, you know, when you, when you start out small like that, it's just, you kind of become a family. And as it grew from there, we hired more people. It just got a little bit crazier and crazier, but um, more and more interesting.
0: <laughs> well, approaching that situation. So you come into product school, obviously on the content side of things, what does that strategy look like I'm from like a higher level than kind of drilling down? Because for anyone having a business, like I mentioned before, we were talking on this podcast. You know, content is a huge part of growing a business. I'm curious on how that played out in terms of the strategy, top down.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the goal was to build a content machine, and and it started out by building piece by piece. So, for example, the blog, or uh, newsletters, or even communities like the Slack community, um, or even events, and It was, the idea was to build um, a global resource that was basically the go-to for anybody that wants to become a product manager or break into the tech space. So with that goal in mind, our main focus became hosting these events, um, whether they were online or offline. They get product managers from Top companies like Facebook, Google, Twitter. Um, we had the <laughs> Tinder PM. We had uh, the Dollar Shave Club PM in Santa Monica. So, um, so that's really what it, it it scaled out to be was these okay. events, and then it, it went from there to webinars to Slack AMAs, and then it was a Facebook community. And so, and now there are twenty six thousand people in the Facebook community. And it's Jeez. all about connecting people that are that are in the space and and being able to learn and grow from each other
0: and I know we t- before we talked, you mentioned like you've done almost a hundred events online with over like almost fifty thousand people like how was that experience <laughs>
1: that is that's kind of that's really crazy to think about um, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> Um, I remember. I still remember the day that Fernando walked up to me and said, "Hey, um, we want to start hosting webinars, and and you're going to do it, okay?" And I was like, "Okay,
0: <laughs> sure."
1: <laughs> okay, sure. And he's like, uh, "Yeah, so let's figure out how." <laughs> and um and so you know we sat down, we looked at different processes, and decided on um on how to go about it. And it just at first it was one webinar a month, but we had such a high demand, they became weekly events, and I mean, I started getting messages daily in Slack asking about recent chats or giving feedback or or even just to say hi. And it was really exciting to see such a positive reaction from the community. I mean, they were showing such an interest in what we were building. And it was just a really positive experience.
0: Were these like interactive where people could chat during it or were they just kind of more like a one-sided type of thing? I'm curious. Like, Obviously, there's probably a lot of different kinds potentially, but I'm, I'm curious about more of that.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, during the Slack AMA, it was a live chat session inside um an AMA channel in our Slack community. And then our product manager would be in there uh, selecting questions. And then I would be in there moderating too. Those are pretty intense sessions, but they're a lot of fun. And then for the webinars, our product manager would come in and do a presentation for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then following the presentation, we would take questions.
0: Okay. And what types of things I mean, were covered, especially in like the The presentation specifically, the different topics just depending on like company specific or was like, you know, one aspect of product management? What were those typically about?
1: It really varied across the board with like tons and tons of topics in product management and tech um, from how to work with your team of engineers or how to launch mobile apps. What AI means to product managers um, or even what it's like to PM at a startup versus a large corporation. We would also have uh, the occasional AMA session where somebody comes in from Twitter and, and you know the community just gets a chance to fire off any question they, they possibly have about what it's like to work there or, <laughs> or their career path. So a lot of it was focused on that, like where did they get started and how it led them to where they are today.
0: Do you happen to remember? And you know, you've probably done tons of these. Obviously, like you know, almost a hundred of these events online. I'm curious if you want if you remember any particular questions that come up over and over again, or you know, concerns people have repeatedly. Do you remember any of those?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we definitely saw quite a few of similar types of questions um, from the more technical, like how do you prioritize features, or um, what tools do you use on a daily basis? What types of skills does it take to successful in the role um even about the hiring process and um the one that we saw the most often was how do you get started
0: and do you remember the responses (laughs) slash slash, (laughs) if someone does want to get started where what should they do i i I imagine you have some insights into that
1: (laughs) mostly what i've learned from these events and and even from carlos um, product school ceo um what he tells everybody is um to build something. So if you want to become a product manager, do it, um, create a podcast or, or launch a web app. So um, that gives you a chance to, to apply everything you would need to become a product manager.
0: Right. So basically I yeah, put yourself into that position and that will help you like actually get into a role or like get more used to. Like be, as a product manager, you are basically a CEO of a product, right? So I imagine right. just yeah, doing your own product to start with would basically <laughs> give you that experience you would need to then like transition into that type of role.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because sometimes it's difficult to get the experience that you need.
0: Right. So it's one of those things It sounds like even just on the side from whatever your day job is, as you're trying to transition into it, um, would be enough or like, how are you seeing people, typically apply that are there more common routes than others i guess i'm curious about
1: um the most common one that i've seen are those that build um a blog okay and um and put that together or a community whether it's like a, a tech community that are focused on one specific thing whether it's ai or um or a cryptocurrency now which is another um, huge topic mm-hmm. so um just building something around there that you have to apply those um traits and
0: right then you can definitely display that to other companies so they know that you you have you have a very strong interest in this because you've actually done something relevant to the actual industry yeah it makes makes complete sense um like if there's any particular ways that people go wrong in trying to approach either you know becoming a product manager or um i guess yeah becoming a product manager are there are there certain like pitfalls people have when they're trying to do this that just you you notice over time.
1: That's actually a really great question. I mean, as far as stumbling blocks, there are a few um, there are a few main ones that I've noticed and uh, talked about quite a bit as well. Um, one of them, I would say, is trying to do too much. So instead of focusing on multiple things and getting overwhelmed, um, focus on that one thing and get really good at that one thing, um, and then go from there. Uh, another thing would be not realizing the power of networking. It's really such a useful tool in business in general. But when you apply it to product management, it really helps you get out there and develop that mindset. Get yourself really like in the zone and surround yourself with people that are on the same path as you or um, that you can learn from. The last one um, would actually be thinking that the learning stops once you get a job. I mean, being a product manager, being—I mean, anybody in tech these days is basically being a lifelong learner, and everything is always evolving and changing. So, the most important thing is to get out there, go to the events, um, find that mentor, read that book. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, take in every bit of information and piece of knowledge that you can, and be willing to know that like you're going to be constantly learning.
0: Right. Obviously product school is a great resource and they have they have events, they have a website different resources. Was there any other any other resources you think you'd suggest or you know, even resources within product school that you suggest for people when they're trying to either learn more about product management or also like connect as you mentioned and network? Were there any resources in particular you'd also recommend?
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, product school does have a ton of great resources, but there are tons and tons out there as well. Um, we do always recommend uh, Dan Olsen's book, The Product Playbook. that's a really a must read um, Hooked How to Build Habit Forming Products by Near Isle is another really good one. Um, the Product Management HQ has a really great blog. and as far as um, articles go as well, um, Product Manager Insider is a publication on medium and they have they get a ton of articles written by product managers or UX designers um, just various people in the space. Um, and that's also a really great read.
0: Nice. And by the way, the, all those show notes, everybody are going to be at just slash podcast. Every, every episode has show notes and we will include those there as well. Um, so in terms of, obviously we said uh, different resources, I want to dig a little bit more into the networking side of things. Any other, I don't know, like particular events or how sh- people should approach this? Because I know just from talking to different MBA like students and different classmates of mine, um, that's always a part of getting a job or whatever that everyone's kind of a little bit like doesn't want to do. I'm curious, any other insights you have on the the networking side of things, maybe product manager specific, or just anything you've you've picked up or learned in the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think that when it comes to networking there are a few things to keep in mind and that have really helped me out a lot um look for people that motivate you and are where you want to be and learn from them i mean what helped me out and this is coming from an introvert um was practicing some storytelling so get really comfortable with your elevator pitch um and also having a goal in mind so whether you're seeking out a course or a mentor um, And just knowing what you can offer as well, so if you're great at writing, you can contribute to their blog, or if you're awesome at talking to people, then see if you can help with getting user feedback. Um, And then making sure you go with a great attitude, uh, ready to talk to people, because ultimately that's what they'll remember. And even if you're not ready to or you don't have time to go to these events, there's tons of online communities that you can join uh, just to get started.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it seems like there's so many, there's so many opportunities to get involved, especially now with, like you said, websites like Meetup, websites sp- specific like Product School. But yeah, specific to product managers. There's so many resources available. You just kind of have to go, go put yourself out there and start talking to people. And even how we connect like through LinkedIn. Uh, you know, look up different product managers or product manager positions at different companies and start talking to those people and get a feel for what they're career what their job actually is like and then start talking to them and learn a little bit more and you can kind of go from there it seems like
1: right exactly
0: and so you were having on the product the uh, content side of product school where did you always have that content interest i'm just curious of your actual career path like how did you get involved in like content creation content strategy
1: um, a lot of it started with one of my first roles at NBC Promotions, um, and there there I was working with TV and radio stations um, to support national partnership promotions between video game clients and um, and partners like Chiquita Bananas or Foot Locker, so like retail clients or CPG, uh, consumer packaged goods. Um, and so I I started gaining some interest there, and then okay. just along the way, I... I had the opportunities to work in like many different levels of content, whether it was an event or it was something online, social media, um, or an article. Um, I really liked the idea of having a community or people that that are interested in what you're doing and, and, um, will follow that. And you have, you have the opportunity to build something that's, um, valuable to some, to other people. So
0: that's where, that's where a
1: lot of my interests fell into place.
0: That's where it fell into place. And how did you grow slash learn more? Was it just on the job kind of like having to figure things out? Or how did you learn more about that side of things?
1: I think one of the things that have helped me out a lot is just not being afraid to say yes to try on a new project, like whether it's Fernando coming to me and saying, Hey, we're going to start webinars, let's figure it out. (laughs) Or, um, I was working for this art company, um, Splash, and they asked me one of the first days I saw their show and they said, what do you think it needs? And I said an introduction and they said, OK, <laughs> we'll get on stage and uh, introduce the show.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: and that was just, like downtown Disney, a thousand kids. Um,
0: <laughs> Hold on. you hit the, We can't slide by <laughs> that. OK, tell me more about that. What happened with that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I am. Um, so, Splash Animals—they're um, live art performance. So they actually do speed painting on five and a half foot canvases. It's really cool. And we were at downtown Disney. and There were like over a thousand people there just watching in Anaheim. And um, they brought me in to help with the merchandise and basically be like a promoter there and to help manage the show, stage production, and everything. And um, and the owner asked me. She said, "How do you like the show? How do you like everything?" And I was like, it's great. I you know, it's it's a lot of fun. And she said, What do you what do you think it needs? And when I told her that it needed an intro, she said, Okay, great. Here's the mic.
0: <laughs> that wow. Before that it. is how did you I mean, how did you even manage that intro then? You're just like, <laughs> Okay, well I know the show. I'm how what did you do?
1: That was interesting. It was my it was <laughs> it was my second day with them. Second day? Yeah.
0: You're kind of blowing my mind right now That is yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure yeah. to throw you yeah, in a little bit no
1: she she went on stage with me actually though she was really friendly and, and nice it was just fun she was she was it was light push of like go do it <laughs> but well, yeah so so i i couldn't have done it without her it definitely was deer in headlights like
0: <laughs> right but you managed you got through and you're still standing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was good it was a
1: good experience
0: yeah i forced you outside your comfort zone it sounds like
1: exactly and i i think that's what's really important when you're trying to figure out your career path or where where you fit, where you where you want to be, and it's not being afraid to stretch past like what you're used to doing, what you already know, um, even if it's a little bit, if it's baby steps, whatever you're slightly comfortable with, if, if you don't feel a little bit uncomfortable, you're not growing. You're Completely
0: just... agree. How do you think someone does that? Like I'm, I'm stepping outside our comfort zone? It's just a matter of like. Saying yes to opportunities, or what do you what do you think?
1: I definitely don't think that it's just saying yes to every opportunity, but I would say that it's following your instincts, following what motivates you as a person, and even if it's a little bit scary, but it's something that you feel excited about, but a little bit nervous. Go for <laughs> those things. <laughs> so um, that that's what's gonna you know push you outside of your comfort zone, but it's, it's something that you're interested in. I mean, if somebody asked me, you know, if I wanted to go, <laughs> I don't know, sell ice cream somewhere and I wasn't interested in it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, but it's about finding what you're interested in, something that you care about and not being afraid to take on, uh, a different project in, in that area that, that takes you outside of what you're used to doing.
0: Yeah. And, and where are you from originally?
1: I'm originally from Providence, Rhode Island.
0: Okay. And you were you've been in Spain, you've been all over it seems like.
1: Uh yeah, actually um yeah, I was I lived in Florida for a little while too.
0: What what has driven that? that desire to move around so much because now everyone does that. I know I, I'll give a little backstory. So I'm from Wisconsin and okay. I feel like a lot of people who I grew up with and whatever they, they're in Wisconsin still, like, <laughs> like they're in you know, the same thing, which is fine, but it, it's a certain person that goes, travels around, lives different places. I'm just curious, like how, what, what drove you to do that?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I've just always kind of had this like, internal drive to gain new experiences, to meet new people, to, to experience a world outside of mine. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's easy to be comfortable where you are and that's fine. Um, it just, it's just not something that ever worked for me. And I, I mean, I believe when my mom asked me what I wanted to, to be when I grew up when I was seven, I told her I wanted to travel and see the world.
0: Really? That, <laughs> so, that young of an age. Yeah. So you you always knew basically <laughs> like that's, that's what was going to happen and you know for someone I know I've I've talked to um, Christina Calabrese another person on this podcast and she has worked all over the world essentially and you know find different opportunities when you were inter- international where else were you looking were there any other particular sites or anything for finding work you know, international or you know just around the world.
1: Um, yeah, sure. No, that's. I mean, that's a really good question. And, and nowadays, there are so many websites like um, Remotely and AngelList, and um, I mean, even LinkedIn Jobs now, like that make it really easy to look for jobs internationally. But okay. I think um, I think one thing that really helps too is um, is looking at the local um, the local platforms. So what websites locals are using, like what people are doing there, and also when you are at a place, like for example, in Madrid, it's easier to to network and, and find something. But even before you get there. Um I can't remember the website, to be honest, when I was looking for the, the internship in uh China. Okay. But um it was one that you know it, it just, yeah, it I, I can send it to you after. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was oh that was five years ago. But it was looking looking for something that focused on the local um the local businesses.
0: So you look you were looking for internship in China though?
1: Uh, yes, it was. Um, I was while well, I was in university, and I had the option of doing a project with like four people locally, or because I did a global business, the option to go abroad, and and do a work study.
0: So how was that five months in China? That's a whole nother world.
1: That was it. Was it was amazing <laughs> and scary? And
0: what what part of China was that in?
1: Uh, I was living in Beijing.
0: And you said scary. How so?
1: Um scary as in your i i don't i don't speak Chinese to this day and I didn't before I left but um so um so it's there's that language barrier um and it's it's such a big city so um i'm i mean even though I've traveled a lot I'm still a small town girl, so there's still that like um feeling of going to this <laughs> this completely new place and you don't know you don't know a lot of people there and everything so it's just like definitely outside of my comfort zone it was, it was, but, um, but yeah, so it was, it was a really amazing experience and, and the company there had 600 people and all of them were Chinese except for me and, uh, two guys from France <laughs> that were the product, oh, wow. um, the, yeah, the product managers there.
0: <laughs> what exactly did you do there? What exactly was the, the project?
1: Um, I worked with their uh, their communications and PR team, so I wrote press releases. Um, they were they were going to be featured or showcasing in uh, Carts Paris at the time, and so my main goal was to get all of the content prepared for that event. So okay. they had brochures, they had videos that they had to edit, um, it was like writing a script for the CEO to do a video and um, things like that.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, with all your experience in in content, I know I asked like with products tool what your role was, you know, on their content side of things, but I'm just curious from like starting from absolute scratch, let's say someone is starting a business or, and they need a content strategy, what is your approach from zero to you know having a system in place?
1: That's a good question. Um I think that the the important thing when you're getting started is to know who your audiences at least have a really good idea who's going to be reading or consuming your content and, and think about where they are. So if, if you have one company that's like a, a breastfeeding brand, then I would, uh, start with, I, I mean, everybody needs a blog really, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah um, Exactly. So, I mean, there's always starting out with the basics. You have the things like you need a blog, you need social media. So you want to get your Facebook, your Instagram and, you know, everything set up. So if you're starting from ground zero, you want to have all that, um, that piece together. But then um, thinking outside of that, it's also not just about what types of content like you create, but what you can do with the content. Like one, you can take one piece of content and build 10 things out of it. And that's whether it's an infographic, whether it's a video, whether it's a a little multi-image slideshow on Instagram. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can reach out to your uh, audience. And I think the biggest thing to think about in terms of content is putting yourself in your in your consumer's shoes, which is similar to what you hear about product management. I think content directors, content managers, they are pretty much managing a product which is content (laughs) right so it's thinking about your user your end user what would they want to hear what would they want to listen to and and not just throwing together something that and that's this very generic but but really thinking about what's going to be valuable to them
0: so does that dictate then like if you're doing assuming we all have limited resources or limited time. Like obviously there's like, there's the ideal content strategy where let's just say you have all the resources available. You can make as much as you want this type of thing. But if you don't have those things available, how do you prioritize, you know, either which social platforms you're on or which types of content you create, whether that's a blog podcast video, how do you go about that? Exactly.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that you would prioritize the type of content that can stretch further. So if you have a blog, longer articles always work better in terms of SEO and in terms of um, just value. Um, So you're going to get more out of that. And if you took a long article, a thousand word article, 1500 word article, 10 things that you need to do now to become a product manager, for example, since we were talking about product school, go back to that. Um, you can take that out and spin off multiple pieces of content without killing an entire day. Right. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, repurposing that.
1: Exactly. So if you're, if you're repurposing something, um, that you already have, it it takes less time versus trying to build everything for each type of content. If you want to like start a podcast that obviously takes a lot more time production scheduling than if you took a, a blog piece and, um, You know, and and went through it, broke it down, put it in a video, put it in an infographic, uh, republish it on different platforms. Uh, So I think that that's that's where my main focus would be: is which content, which piece of content can we spend, can we repurpose without um, spending as much time on it because our time is limited. When it is.
0: Uh, that, make, that makes sense. I've always, I personally, I always wonder about that because a limited amount of time, especially being in business school. Um, even with this podcast, I, you know, it only launched in June, and there's not that much time I have currently to to promote it and sp- spend time on that. So you do what you can, but I like I like the idea of that. I'll have some more ideas, I think, from from what you said already. <laughs> um, you know, with, with that obviously there's so much on the content side, just drilling down a little bit more. If you have a lot of experience in video as well, I'm curious on what like a video project would, would entail exactly from beginning to end. Cause that's a, it's another one that has a few more components than necessary. Just you writing a blog post and you do have experience in that. So I'm curious on what your thoughts are from of that as well.
1: Right. Um, yeah, so I, um, I worked in that for a, a little over a year and, and I would say in general from from start to finish, you're always gonna need to have an idea of the the time like how how long you want the video to be, where it's gonna go and what the the purpose of the video is and then once you have that defined, then you can go through storyboard your video and basically um, outline what each scene kind of like a play by play of what's gonna be in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then um what what information you want to include and then just pull the pieces together, whether it's, it's audio, if you needed to, for example, I had to do like a how to video. And so I needed to um, record myself doing different things online and then just knowing how I wanted them to piece together in a way that flows easily so that um, people can follow it and duplicate what you're, what you're doing. If it's like a how to Um, yeah, it's all about determining the goal, the length of time that you're going to have and then going from there.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed that, especially even with like Facebook favoring video so much, and people loving video. Do you, have you noticed a trend in terms of the type of content, like video versus audio versus like blog posts or pictures on social, and what kind of resonates with people, or does it kind of depend?
1: Um, I would say it depends a little bit, but um, the the highest trend right now is live. Every everything's live.
0: Hmm. It's live, so yeah. live videos, everything. Yeah. Or even yeah.
1: AMA, so, <laughs> I mean um even like live sales now are becoming popular so people are online doing basically like their own QVC on their Facebook page
0: yeah i could see that working well <laughs> yeah.
1: so and then you know when something's live it kind of gives people that idea of like oh i have to be there now even though theoretically and you know we know the face the Facebook live videos stay online right, for longer. There,
0: exactly. Right.
1: But when it's live and you, and you hear that, you hear that you think like, all oh, right, you have to be there. Like if you have a question or you want to participate um, you know, you can engage your audience that way too. And, and take questions and, and um, you know, get them more engaged and interactive with what you're doing. And so I think that's ultimately what makes it spread more is that people are like liking, they're sharing, their commenting and so it just builds that momentum while you're live. And then after people might come back and look at it later. But like it's while you're live that gets get gets all the people in.
0: Yeah. I've definitely noticed noticed that and noticed that the different platforms, different social media platforms are also promoting promoting that, sharing that. Like, oh, your friend is live. They're really trying to make it known that this live video thing is, is going to be bigger. And if they're trying very hard and then you see the brands doing it, it's like, okay, well, that's another thing to do. It's another possible addition, depending on your audience, you know how they would respond to that. But it's one of those things where it seems like you just have to pay attention to what's going on in terms of content and kind of do the best thing for you, depending on what your business is.
1: Right, right. Exactly. It's definitely like that. Plus, I mean, Facebook is always changing their algorithms or their – their settings. <laughs> yes, so you yes. never know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I ran ads on Facebook for like two years for a, a company. And um, yeah, the changes are always fun to keep up with, to see what they're doing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then when you have a client or somebody you're working with, you have to explain the change to them and then
0: <laughs> yeah. don't freak out. We can... <laughs> <laughs> we can manage this. Don't worry. We're in it together.
1: <laughs> it's normal.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's calming them down. It's exactly right. And to that point, um, you, I know you have. By the time this episode actually goes live, your, your your business, your website, everything will be up. It's called August Nine. Can you tell us more about it?
1: Um, yeah, sure. So, um, August Nine is a uh, content marketing agency. I would say digital marketing. And um, and the reason behind August Nine is um, because one of my one of my first clients came to me and she said, "I I have this um, boutique. I'm pretty popular locally." Um, but I want to launch on Facebook. I want to launch live. And so I, you know, we, we had like a session where I, a consulting session. And then, um, I came back the next day and I said, okay, um, we're going to launch on August 9th. And, um, she just kind of looked at me like panicked. I saw like the, (laughs) the fear (laughs) of we're actually, okay, there's a date this is going to happen. And, um, and I had I had told her that I had this podcast interview with you, and I said, i'm you know I'm trying to get everything, all the information together for my company and and um I'm you know really excited about it, but I've been working with my clients more than working on my own company. <laughs> and, um, and so she she looked at me and she said, that's, that's your August ninth. And so it it kind of happened from there. I was like, August 9th, like um, the idea is what's your August 9th? When are you going to lunch? When are you going to rebrand? When are you going to tell your story? So that people can learn about it and you can get out there.
0: Love it. That that's awesome. That is awesome. And every company, every business, they need a story. But every business and company has a story that I think can resonate. And I love that because it it is the start that it can be so difficult at times. (laughs) People just like I talk to people all the time. It seems like just do it. Like Nike is perfect with their branding, obviously. Just just do it. But it's the same concept, and it's so perfect though.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It's, um, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing or or building this is because that's what inspires me is, um, is companies that are out there or brands or even people that are just really, really good at what they do, but they, they're afraid to launch or they're not, you know, they're not picking out that date. They're not, um, they're not quite where they want to be yet, but they have this great story. They have this great, um, Thing that they built, and so it's it's getting it out there and just picking that day or that moment where you're gonna say, "Hey, this is what I did," and and launch and you know just do it like you said, like ninety.
0: <laughs> so good, so, <laughs> so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And you had mentioned earlier something I wanted to come back to. Actually, you mentioned earlier people in their career find that thing that drives them, that thing like you know they're they're passionate about, they're interested in so much. What is it that drives you?
1: Um, honestly, it it is that it's it's um, it's working with people and building communities around something that has a common goal, a common interest, and um, just being able to to be helpful or um, being a part of their their company story in a way, and not you know not necessarily like showing me, but showcasing them what they've done um, that's inspiring, that's giving a positive back to their followers their community and. Um, that motivates me
0: love it w- with your company obviously by the time like I said this is live it'll be your comp- website will be up and everything what <laughs> are you what are you what are you offering through your company and you know who are you looking to work with I'm curious about that as well uh,
1: yeah so my company um, August 9, is focused on creating brand experiences um, and for us that means building not just content but uh, communities of followers around a brand or product that uh, is doing something positive for its community, so um, that would involve strategy, that would involve designing, um, building out the promotion, uh, content distribution, as well as, um, of course, like reporting and partnerships, uh, whether that means uh, content or events, it all depends on what makes the most sense for them, um, but it's all about creating the full brand experience uh, regardless of if It's on their website or on a partner's site. So making sure that everything is streamlined and going along with what makes the most sense for them and what they're doing.
0: Very nice. And with this new company, um, what is your kind of grand vision? Some people have... Some people want to create a massive company, hundreds of employees, this type of thing. Some people love the the flexibility, the freedom to you know have less people, less to manage. Um, where would you love to see this company go?
1: Well, I definitely want to build a cool company. Um, I I want to build a fully remote company where people feel inspired to work. They're excited to they're excited about what they're doing, and they work with clients that. Um, that they're proud of working with and that really gets like the stories of other companies out there and is able to create something unique and powerful from that.
0: Love it. Sounds like a great, a great, great place to be in terms of, you know, where you see yourself going. I think it's important to have that. Uh, It kind of just guides our every, our every day and then our decisions. If we have an idea at least of where potentially we want to end up, even if it's not, you know, very specific necessarily, but you have an idea of where you'd like to. Of course you can always change along the way, but uh, I think it helps knowing that a little bit in advance as well. I just have one main final question for you. I asked almost every guest more recently at least. What do you think makes for a great career?
1: I that's a good question. And I I think that it um that being flexible and And, um, like we talked about earlier too, just to being open to, um, taking on a new project, being slightly uncomfortable. So you're still learning and being understanding of yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And actually Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that all the time. too. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, it's exactly that. So being self-aware and not being afraid to say, I am, I suck at that. I'm not going to do it this is what i'm good at or i could be good at that i'm going to go try it and see i don't know yet but having that flexibility and awareness i think is key
0: hands down i agree i where can people so when this website's live will it be august9.com um
1: myaugust9.com myaugust9
0: okay so go check out myaugust9.com Cassandra, thank you so much for coming on. There was a lot we put into this episode. (laughs) I think people are going to get a lot of value, both both product managers and anyone just kind of curious about either starting a business and growing it through content strategy. I already picked up some tips and wrote some notes down. So I appreciate you coming on.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: Best of luck with the new company.
1: Thank you so much. Have a good one. Me too.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at JustGoGrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at Patreon.com slash JustGoGrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great day.